Welcome to the Premier League Nightclub Podcast. My name is Damon, and with me, yet again, I just have Woody. Now, Woody, first of all, I'll just say how are you? How are you? Mate, I'm good. I'm, I'm a bit knackered. I'm fair to say I think we're all pretty knackered this I, week. It is 2020, and microphones still cannot just be plugged into a computer, plugged into a soundboard, and work. It has yeah, been a long one. It's been a disaster, to say the least. Let's... Uh, Let's just put it put it on record. It's been a horrific, horrific couple of hours we spent trying to get our mics up and running, which doesn't usually happen to us. We usually go pretty scot free with our yeah. with our mics. In saying that, though, if there's any microphone companies out there that want to sponsor us, <laughs> there's now an opportunity open because we're on the lookout for some new microphones. Ooh, yeah, yeah <laughs> I completely agree with you, Damo. I'll be very keen if, if so. The ones we're using right us. now, we're gonna, they're going to remain nameless. <laughs> yeah, because we're not but, happy. <laughs> but you know, Road, if you want to come after us, feel free. Uh, we're, we're Hot Detroit at the moment, so <laughs> we're we're on the market. Anyway, Woody, obviously Sam can't join us today um, for again pretty fair enough reasons. And honestly, it was touch and go if an episode was even going to come out this week at times. So we're yeah. just happy to be here. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're happy to be behind the microphone, and I guess everyone would probably be happy to actually listen to us coming out this week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And apologies if my voice is a little bit uh, nasally. I'm coming off a coming off a bit of a cold, but. Woody, something that caught my eye... I was going to say, why are you sounding so shit? (laughs) (laughs) No, something that caught my eye this week. Yeah. You know, uh, obviously, especially it's more of a... It's it's very much an English thing to say top bins. 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 Yeah. Did you know, uh, I forgot to mention it last week, two weeks ago, the phrase top bins is now officially in the Oxford Dictionary. No way. I, I swear no on my life. No way. Look are you up. serious? Yeah. <laughs> what? So it, whilst we're on this app, if you've got a moment, look it up and it'll be like Oxford Dictionary announces top bins. And it's got like the definition of like top corner of a football goal or football net or something. It's so funny. I can't believe that it's actually gone through. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> guy just looked it up. It's crazy. <laughs> what? I, I cannot believe that. I tell you what, Damon, another thing that caught my eye as well was this morning, which is Tuesday morning Australian time, um, the FA announced that um, children in Britain under the age of 12 that are playing football have been banned from heading the ball in training. Now, the it's ruling... is piss. I'm sorry. Yeah, it, well, the ruling got introduced because in immediate effect um, in obviously the British British countries in England, uh, Northern Ireland and Scotland um, because the football associations agreed um, that uh, a field study came out saying that it could potentially lead to later on um, brain damage. Not, yep. not quite s- severe brain damage, but um, loss of neurofunction and whatnot. However, the Scottish, the Scottish uh, FA came out and said, or the chief of the Scottish FA came out and said that Although the findings don't actually have any credibility, they have to follow the FA's conduct. <laughs> so, I mean, it's immediately shot down and, and now the heading will only come into play when kids hit under 16, which I think is pretty ridiculous considering it's such an integral part of the game. Just on that though, I must admit, I, I played uh, football when I was younger, obviously. Here and we go. There was the one drill you had to like stand, you know, two meters apart from someone and you ha- someone would throw it up and you'd either have to header it as hard as you could as if you were yeah. trying to score or clear out a, a corner or you tried to h- header it back to the, your teammate and yeah. header, header, header. 
And after a while, it did bloody hurt. And but the coach would keep you know keep going, keep going, keep going. It's like when in a game am I hitting the ball twenty to thirty times in a row? <laughs> like so, in that sense, twelve year old me is like, yes, we get out of that drill. But it is a bit weak, isn't it? I tell you, what, the FA clearly haven't played futsal. I <laughs> think it's bad with these air highly pressurized balls. Try playing with a bloody futsal ball that I'll weighs a what, stone and a half. Sitting in front of those some of those free kicks is terrifying. <laughs> yeah, especially with me behind it, mate. <laughs> absolute, absolute pistons behind that ball. <laughs> Speaking of pistons behind the ball, we've had some. Th- this week we actually we don't really do a goal of the week on the, on the Insta at the, well, at the moment, but you'd have to say if we were, it'd be a tough decision this week. It was some oh, crackers, mate. This is by far, I would have to say, the best round of goals I've seen this so far this Premier League season. I, I think what makes it better, it's not like we're sitting here and be like, yeah, there were some good goals, but it was just one outrageous one. There were probably like seriously good goals all over the place. Yeah, there was six or seven completely outrageous ones. Like we saw the Patrick Van Aanholt free kick and a Stevens volley, which um, I'll touch on a, a little bit later as well, <laughs> no doubt. Um, that was that was definition of bins. You'll find um, Ender Stevens in the Oxford Dictionary under top bins. <laughs> there was the Calvert-Lewin scissor kick, of course, the Greenwood finish off the top of the crossbar, and then the Tony Martial scoop, which was our nightclub newsflash of the week. Boy, oh boy, it got me excited watching all the goals um, this round. Even yeah. Aubameyang's first goal as well. I just thought oh, I had yeah. a bit of Thierry Henry about it, just how it was... It was a simple finish, but just the way he got in behind and the way he just knew he was going to score as soon as he got, got on the end of the ball. And what a pass from David Luiz as well. Oh, so. Amazing, amazing, amazing. So, yeah, um, Woody, there is something we actually forgot to do last week, mm-hmm. and that was the quick-fire results. Ooh. We didn't actually do them We didn't week. do them. No, nah, it was that's, the first time in about 30 episodes we've forgotten to do it. That's very unlike us. I, can't, I, I literally you, cannot believe that we didn't do that. <laughs> we got distracted by the Man City uh, oh, saga. So no. this week, Woody... Would you care to hit us with those quick fire results? To kick off the round, Chelsea down Tottenham 2-1. Palace beat a red-carded Newcastle 1-0. Burnley down Bournemouth 3-0. The Blades and Brighton drew 1-0. Southampton beat a struggling Villains 2-0. City down Leicester 1-0. Wolves beat Norwich 3-0. Man United beat Watford 3-0. Everton and Arsenal Ended in an Arsenal win 3-2, an absolute classic. And Liverpool downed West Ham 3-2 after a bit of a scare, Damo. Yeah, well, we spoke about the Chelsea-Tottenham one last week briefly about how it was probably the biggest biggest game of the season since Liverpool hosted Manchester City at Anfield. And look, I don't want to say it didn't meet expectation because, I mean, 2-1, no one's ever complaining about a 2-1 game of football. Mm. But I just felt watching it that there was a sense of inevitability about it and almost shock when Tottenham scored that late goal to sort of oh, well, give them a little bit of hope. I mean, even that was an own goal. The Rudiger own goal. Yeah. Like they, should, it was, they were lucky to score. Let's be real, they were. Yeah. And I think that Chelsea probably showed their colours and, uh, if anything, some real direction under Frank Lampard and where he's going because, you know, Tottenham, even though Tottenham probably didn't play the way they wanted to play, still, it's a scalp. It is a scalp and they needed it. Do you want to get stuck into it? Let's do it. All right, let's get stuck into, even though we sort of already have, <laughs> Chelsea versus Tottenham. Nicely taken by Mason Mount. One for Barkley, cleverly moved it on. One more for Alonso. What a goal! Marcos Alonso against Tottenham again. He finishes off what was a quite brilliant move. Stunning stuff from Chelsea. All right, yeah. Woody. 
it was a stunning move by Chelsea from Marcus Alonso with that finish. Um, and it sort of just really summarized the way Chelsea were playing from a tactical point of view. And I will get stuck into that uh, pretty, pretty deeply soon. But mm-hmm. just how brave was Frank Lampard going into this one? Oh, I think it was incredibly brave because, for one, uh, he handed Olivier Giroud his first start in God knows how long. Yep. Right? And, and that paid off dividends, obviously, with Giroud scoring. But, you know, like, he... he the way Lampard plays, it very much benefits a pacey striker, and Giroud is anything but that. He's no lacks no not has no pace anymore whatsoever. And Batshuayi is probably the, the the direct fill in for Tamri Abraham. Yeah. Obviously, Batshuayi had his struggles, and Giroud got the game, and it paid dividends. And that and that probably you know plays into Giroud's hand as well because he's got some seriously uh, seriously good records for Chelsea. You know, he was directly involved in 14 goals in his last 14 starts for the Blues in all comps, scoring and assisting four. He has the capability. I just feel like he isn't given the chance. Yeah, well, even with the goal he scored, it came from him running in behind off a quality ball from Jorginho. Yeah. Um, and look, oh, it was very, very close to being offside. His arm, his arm was ahead of uh, the particular defender who I can't think of at the moment. But, of course, it's taken from the armpit. So Giroud was all good with that one. But I guess looking, I guess, more at the tactical side, Damo, in mm-hmm. terms of Chelsea's shape, it was pretty brave, wasn't it? Yeah, well, funnily enough, Lampard said yeah, in his press conference that he, Mourinho must still have some mates at Chelsea because <laughs> Tottenham actually set up exactly the way they would as if they knew how Chelsea were going to set up because it counted yeah. a lot of what Lampard had brought in. But luckily, his, his guys were up for the task. And it, to play the three or five back, whatever you want to call it, that Chelsea did, and then to be counted like that in, from a tactical point of view from Jose, Lampard would have been stressing when he saw that team sheet come out from Chelsea uh, from Tottenham. sorry, And it's still very hard to talk about Jose not being at <laughs> Chelsea. Uh, but the work rate from, I figure, the four in front of the three centre-backs, I say Alonso, Jorginho, Kovacic, and James, I thought they were the four best players on the pitch by a mile. And statistically, it shows. I mean, Jorginho and Kovacic, wow. Yeah. 150 R- passes ran, between Ran them. the game. Ran, ran the game. It was, it was ridiculous. And, of course, Jorginho did, or probably deserved an assist for the pass to Giroud. Of course, it came off a... Ross Barkley shot and then Giroud scored. But, I mean, Jorginho, 12 ball recoveries. Last season, we were talking about how Jorginho had no defensive skills whatsoever. Lampard's changed Jorginho. And then Kovacic, 100% of take-ons completed, 95% passing accuracy, 90 touches, 42 passes in the opposition half, 15 ball recoveries, and two interceptions. These guys were running up and down. And so, although tactically, Jose tried to match Chelsea, Chelsea's work rate and just energy was just too much for Tottenham. I think that's a really good point you brought up because if you look at Kovacic and um, Jorginho, like they're not known to be defensive players. And if anything, they've, they've had their defensive weaknesses. And we saw Kovacic at Real Madrid. He definitely had his defensive weaknesses. And when he came to Chelsea, he became much more of an on-ball player. But now looking at them, you think far out, there's probably a bit of a lack of defense in that midfield. But the way they, they play with so much energy and so in sync with the back three that it almost provides a foil for their defensive incapabilities or what we thought was defensive incapabilities. And now they have so much space. And when you watch, watch, you watch Chelsea play, they move the ball so quickly. 
Yeah. And with these with these guys, they, they dictate the game because they have so much presence in the center of the pitch. I think it's also worth noting that around general mainstream football media, I would say Lampard's team is not getting enough credit for what they put out. I look at Mount and I forget, oh, Ross Barkley, of course. Those two played probably one of the most selfless games of football I've seen for the season. Together, they only had about 50 touches of the ball, but they sat on the two wide center backs and it meant Giroud was able to get in behind, which he usually mm. can't. And when there's so much pressure on those centre-backs, their passing accuracy drops. And of course, Jorginho and Kovacic had, a ga- had games of their lives. But let's compare the wing-backs, because obviously two, both teams played wing-backs. Alonso and James combined for five shots. Of course, Alonso scored. Mm-hmm. Tanganga and Davies, terrible. They just couldn't match it with the wing-backs. 38 touches Tanganga had, and he... Turned it over almost half the time. Same with Davies, 56% passing accuracy. And Tanganga lost almost over half his defensive duels. And so you just look at it and say, even though, I know I've said it a hundred times already, but even though Jose matched Chelsea tactically, the just abilities of the footballers playing in wingback positions and even midfield positions... We're, we're going to beat Tottenham almost every single day of the week. Yeah, I agree. but I, And I think that's a really... Like, it is a great point that you bring up because if you look at Chelsea, in, like the tactics, the, the shape and the tactics are almost similar in a sense on paper. You know what I mean? But then I think if you look at Chelsea on the pitch, and it's something that I noticed watching the game, um, was that they are so in sync as a team. They really have... They, yeah. They're really connected. You know what I mean? And they play unselfishly, because if you look, for example, you look at Cesar as per equator, how many times does he make runs into the box? He's always there. But then who's covering his position? Alonso. Yeah. Would you I mean, say that, that this, the point you have just made about them being connected, I mean, last week we were talking about how they couldn't find the back of the net and had one shot on target against yeah. Man United. But regardless of that and what the stats show, would you say that reason, other than the fact that he's a legend of the club, is why Lampard hasn't come under too much pressure yet because obviously the transfer window and they've all different scenario around Lampard but on the pitch alone with think about nothing else would you say that Chelsea players showing that connection and ambition for their manager is a lot to, is a lot of the reason why Lampard is avoiding a lot of criticism um no I don't I don't think it's why I think at the end of the day they're still fourth they're still a ga- they're still a game clear of fourth you know what I mean yeah. and they're two games they're two games from third Obviously, first and second can't be reached, but Leicester are within within touching distance. Mm-hmm. And then you look as well at the first half of the season. Everyone thought, all right, Chelsea are going to be bottom half table this season. Yeah, and we probably had we none of us, almost none of us, had him in our top six. I think you might have been the only one that had him in your top six. I think six. Sam was actually. Or Sam was the only one that had him yeah. in the top six, right? But if you look well, at that, them now, that was clearly a fluke. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think Lampard like is showing that he has much more to offer as a manager. Than, than what people thought he had. And I think that comes down to the psyche. We talk so much about how managers can prove tactically and play a game. But then at the end of the day, the, the best managers in the world, and if you look at the best teams in the world, like if we compare to a Klopp, Klopp has his players' backs no matter what. Mm-hmm. He doesn't care about his own reputation and he doesn't care what the media slayed him because he's always there defending his players and they you can tell that they're a unit. And the psyche that 
a manager plays in terms of um, motivating his players, I think goes underrated. And that's something Lampard is very good at, motivating th- his team. I think it's a really good point you make as well. And there's the different ways you can defend your players. Mm. When, when Chelsea lose, Lampard doesn't sit there and blame other things. He says, yeah, we weren't good enough, but he doesn't absolutely dig into his players. It's almost like a, yeah, they weren't good enough, but don't worry, I know they know. And, I'm, and I don't need to, you know, go on about it. Exactly. But see, like, uh, another way of defending your players was what Jose Mourinho said after the game and saying, I don't have a striker to pick from. Mm. Well, come on, Jose. That's no reason for your wingbacks to not have a single shot on goal the whole game. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and they've got Bergwijn. I get he's tired. And Lucas Moura, a few of those guys. But they, they still have quite a decent, decent squad. Exactly. And, but... It's another point about Lampard. He's the first manager, well, Chelsea's the first team to do a double over a side managed by Jose Mourinho. And it comes back to this whole thing. Lampard, despite the circumstances, is doing well. And, and I know we're flip-flopping from last week, but I, it's just... I, I don't agree. I think I think we've been probably consistent that Lampard has... His players have Lampard's back. Yeah. Of course, the tactics aren't always there. He's a young manager. He's only he, he's only managed for three seasons. I would say the day he changed his tactics after half an hour against Arsenal and where they won and scored the two goals in the last 10 minutes, it, that was the day I knew that Lampard... That, that game alone earned Lampard a few more months than he would have got if, it, if when he comes under pressure. Do you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I agree with you. I think, I think it, it, that probably showed... That game probably showed when he brought Jorginho on. Um, it took, for, yeah, was, yeah, it for, was it for Reese James? I think, I think it was. Um, yeah, and that probably showed... maybe Emerson. Sho- one, uh, one of yeah, them. Emerson, sorry. Uh, that, that probably showed that he has a lot more class and balls than probably what people give him credit for. Agreed. I, I, I completely agree. And, you know, Chelsea, Chelsea, let's not take away from Chelsea's game because they, they really did shut down Tottenham. They that, really did. They did. All right, to wrap this game up now, we haven't really looked at Spurs too much, and I feel like there's no need to do it a lot, but potentially no Son and no Kane for the rest of the season, or at least a large part of it. Uh... Despite Spurs being reasonably close to the top four still, only a game out, or a game and a bit out now, could we rule them out? Because they are still, I think, on, on in the bookmakers are saying that if you include Chelsea in the top four race, Chelsea mm. are number one f- favourite for fourth spot, Man United, Tottenham, Wolves, Sheffield. Do you agree with that? Or do you have Tottenham lower? Uh, I probably have Sheffield in front of Tottenham. I think that's fair. I think, I, I, think, I think it's insulting to Sheffield, to be honest. Yeah, I, th- I think it is. I, I, I think, obviously, it's something I'll, I'll touch on a little bit later. Um, but I think, I, I just don't see how Tottenham can be have higher odds than Sheffield so far this season. And um, and that's I, I feel like that's completely just, because if you look at the seasons they've had, Tottenham, you can, Tottenham's worse at, at horrible. They don't register shots. You know yeah. what I mean? But if you compare them to Sheffield, they always, always have the same thing. And that's probably something that Chris Wilder shares with Frank Lampard is the, the you they know, the themselves. absolute belief, diehard belief in their team, their clubs and their badge. You know what I mean? 100%. But then looking at Spurs, I, I think, personally, I don't think that they'll make top four. They Maybe, them, maybe they'll make sixth and make Europa. Um, but I can't see them making what what is now the top four with City out. Yep, fair enough. What do you What do you reckon? Uh, I I had them in my t- actually. If he's listening, a person I spoke to about two two three weeks ago three weeks ago I think it was told me that Tottenham should be the flat out favourite for fourth spot. And anyone who doesn't see it is kidding themselves. He's not even a Tottenham fan. And I laughed at him. And then I think they they had two decent wins. And I and I messaged him and I was like, "Fair play, you know you got it right." 
but I don't think anyone predicted the Son injury to happen, and that kills them because of their lack of depth up front. Obviously, with Harry Kane being out for a while, so I think they were in my top. Well, they were in, they weren't in my top four a month ago. Then two weeks ago they were, and now I'm officially putting a line through them because of the Son injury. Well, mate, if you look at their next five, look at their next five. They've got Sheffield in five weeks. Before that, they play United. They play West Ham. They play Burnley, and they play Wolves. So three of those five games are potential losses. Mm, and even Burnley at the moment are firing. So. And even Burnley are firing, exactly. Yeah. So it's a bit 50-50. And quickly, yep. red card or no red card, let's also. Oh, how have we not touched on that? Sorry. Yeah, that's an absolute joke of a decision. Not really. a, I can't believe it. I cannot, I cannot believe that that was not given a red card. And did you know the Referees Association put it down to human error? Yeah, they, they've apologized. These guys... Are, Fourth referees up in the stands. How can they not decide if this is a red card or not? That's what they are literally paid there to do. VAR is the big issue. I get that. But I also have an issue with the referee not giving it in the first place. Yeah, I, I don't know. It was literally a, a, mid, a mid-shin a mid stamp. That That is the sort of stuff that ends careers. I, I've seen... I, we've, we've both been watching football for a lot, long time, Woody. And we've seen more subtle stamps given without VAR. You know, when obviously, before a VAR, referees... Decision was final. Do you know what I mean? Like if yeah. a referee now gives a straight red, it can be overturned by VAR. Of course, yeah. But the confidence, the lack of confidence in referees now, when they really should have more. Yeah. Do you I know agree. what I mean? I agree. Why not give? Why not give it? Make a decision. You just have to question what are the reprimands if they do get it wrong and it does get overturned. I don't know. Is it an embarrassment thing? Who knows? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, we're happy to move on to winners and losers. Let's do it, mate. All right. Let's get stuck into winners and losers. Oi, did someone say winners and losers? Sure did, mate. All right, Woody. My winner of the week is a team that just keep keep going on. They keep getting results and, and phenomenal results, must I add. The Wolves. What a week for Nuno Santos' men. More specifically, as well, Diego Jota. After a 4-0 hammering of Espanyol in the Europa League and a Jota hat-trick to go with it, Wolves pretty much now need... They don't even need to turn up to Spain. Just send, send the kids. They're not going to lose 4-0. It's all good. Mm. And, of course, a 3-0 win over Norwich. And you might say, Damon, come on, it's just Norwich. You know, like most teams have put two or three past their minimum. Yeah, fair enough. But it's just that getting the points on the board now with this thin team, thin squad that Nuno Santo has, is no secret. Many people say that once you take three or four players out of that Wolves team, they drop away. And you'll, even if they're right, it's a fair play to Wolves for keeping these players fit. You look at some other teams in the league who just constantly have injuries. And so they must be doing something right off the pitch. And you've got to say that they're a big winner, and so is Diego Jota. And also, Woody, I know you were pretty interested in Man United being interested in him. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where it came from. It pops out of nowhere, and as it does... I don't believe that for a second. No that would way. Be strange, no way. strange signing. That's rubbish. That is rubbish. Right, Woody, who's your winner? My winner this week is the young man, Dwight McNeil. Um, so the young, he's the youngest player to reach 10 Premier League assists since Raheem Sterling in November 2014. So you can tell he's definitely got a bright future ahead of him. Yep. He also bagged a goal in the 87th minute in Burnley's 3-0 win over the Cherries um, and now has the most minutes of any player aged 20 or under across Europe's top five leagues this season with 27 appearances this, this campaign, notching two goals and five assists. Now, my biggest question right now about this young man is how the hell he has gone under the radar for so long because he's got everything going for him. Mm-hmm. He's English, he's young, and he's attacking, 
and he scores goals and gets assists. I don't know how because the, tomorrow the sun is going to be saying that he's a rookie just uh, just off uh, just off off birth and and you know what that's the way the the media crumbles because <laughs> it's not tomorrow who'd be an overnight success sensation when he's been flying under the radar for so long. Yeah, I think even in that Burnley game when he did score, the commentators were saying never couldn't have picked a more deserving bloke to score the third goal. He was everywhere. Oh, he was on the weekend, and he was and, he played well, and he's been playing well for a while, and he's been wildly lauded as Burnley's most consistent player for the whole season yeah for sure so and he's probably deserving staying on the pitch as well exactly and deservedly so uh but Damo who is your loser this week my loser is actually a team that we probably let's be honest sucked off a little bit a couple of months ago <laughs> let's be real come start of the season yeah <laughs> we, we, we actually we hammered them pre-season and then we were like oh this is amazing and <gasps> it's Newcastle about two months ago, we were praising Newcastle, saying, Slobbering, man. saying defensively, they were reasonably solid. Had uh, Maximin and Almiron really starting to find some good form. Of course, Almiron finally scored his first goal for the club. Shelby couldn't stop scoring. Well, since then, it's all started to really fall apart. <laughs> they haven't scored in Feb- February in the league. And Crystal Palace hadn't won a game since Boxing Day. Well, along come the Magpies. <laughs> They now sit 14th on 31 points. Look, they're still not, they're not going to get relegated, you'd have to say, most likely. But this February alone has pulled them right back. They were 8th yeah. come New Year's, I think. Everyone's shooting me in as a top 10 finish. And they have fallen off a cliff. And I'm not going to lock it in just in case things happen. You know, on our podcast, Woody, things just come and go like crazy. Oh, we, yeah. we, we lock things in and then they disappear. Yeah, so I'm not going to say anything, but if you're a Newcastle fan, it might be will, might be in your best interest to kick, click play next weekend or next week on our next podcast. Woody, that's who is big. Your loser? Da- <laughs> I would know. I was not expecting you to say something like that. <laughs> and well, definitely, and, and, if you're a Newcastle supporter, bloody go and click play. You're in for a treat and a half. And if if we've mucked up, at least we 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 get a listen out of you and. You know, we owe you 40 minutes of your life back. Yeah, and you can come chase us for it. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll give it back to you. Yeah. What are you, who's your loser? My loser, unfortunately, is uh, my beloved Blades. And it, it's not it's not necessarily a loser. I'm going to downgrade this to a warning. And okay. I don't know if this is valid, right? I'll give it to you. Because they've lost their fifth place to Man U following the one-all draw against Brighton this week. And let me don't get me wrong. Ender Stevens produced one absolute... Cracker, unstoppable goal from the left that just beat Matty Ryan near post, bins, no chance there, no way, no way in hell. Quality um, but I just feel as if the Blades are only a couple of results like this away from maybe throwing a chance at Europe that they really probably deserve so far this season. Yeah, they've been the most consistent in terms of standard of play. Yeah, and by no means is this season ever going to be an injustice for them. I just don't feel as if they should ever settle for less than trying to aim for Europe. Yeah, I don't think they're necessarily you know happy with what they've got, if you want to put it that way. I think they're still striving for it, but you're right, Woody. In these the teams they're competing against, your Wolves, Man United's, Tottenham's, you just feel if any of them can hit a little bit of form, yeah. Sheffield are required to play their absolute best for yeah. longer to stick with them. Do you I, know what I, mean? I agree, but I, and again, I just 
these teams that come up don't usually aim for the stars. And that's exactly what Sheffield did, and that's probably where they found themselves in the top four, come very early on in the season, consistently for the first half. But now I just don't want to see those expectations drop now that they've copped a couple of unlucky results. It's funny you say that. Just uh, the Peter Crouch podcast. If anyone listening who hasn't listened to the Peter Crouch podcast, definitely listen to that. Piss myself weekly. But Crouchy was actually saying that, because Crouchy played for like six or seven clubs, from top clubs to bottom clubs. He was saying the difference in... Uh, like ambition mm. like he didn't name any clubs specifically but he just said it was crazy it was a weird feeling going from Liverpool to another club which were happy to finish 13th and have a party at the end of the year mm. it's like wow you know as a fan if you knew your club were aiming for 13th or something all right I get that there are clubs that aim to stay up but I can also think of clubs that perhaps like a Newcastle that are content with 10th to 15th when really why not go for 6th yeah what so, are you going to lose yeah you you're not, you're not going if you if you if you're well and truly there like Sheffield are at the moment what are you going to lose putting everything out on the pitch every week you're not you're definitely not going down worst case scenario yeah worst case scenario it's you get a decent 10. finish and you know that you you gave it your, your best you know what i mean like it sounds like, really childish no, and I basic know, but, but it's just yeah, you, you've left nothing out there exactly and they've gone on and signed one of the best young hot talents in Europe in Santa Birch. So why wouldn't you just go for it? That was a show of intent as well. Exactly. Completely. And it shows a sign that Sheffield is somewhere to be. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, speaking of somewhere to be, it's, I reckon it's a good segue into our next game because from a managerial standpoint, these two teams were somewhere to be a couple of months ago when these two played each other. Mate, boy, oh boy, how the tables have turned since their last game, which was a nil-all draw, Damo. Um, however, last time these two clubs played in Arsenal and Everton, it was the last game for two of their interim coaches in Free Lundberg for Arsenal and Duncan Ferguson for Everton with Carlo Ancelotti and Mikel Arteta watching in the stands. It was an absolute snooze fest. Yeah. And since then, both clubs have gone through an absolute renaissance period, um, both individually to their own rights. Uh, and gee whiz, they are head and shoulders above from where they were when they last played. And the game showed it. So should we get stuck into it? Let's do it. It is time for Arsenal versus Everton. Here's Pepe. Early ball in. Aubameyang scores! It's a roll reversal! And Arsenal have scored right at the start of the half. It's 3-2! Yep, it was 3-2 just after half-time, and that's how it stayed. And Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang was the man of the moment, but I just felt all around there were so many so many little talking points out of this one. Yeah, I do agree. There was heaps, and then there was four goals in the first half. That's yeah. talking points alone. Yeah. Gee whiz. And I reckon, uh, just before we get sucked into the game, mm-hmm. if this game was to be played 10 times over, in my opinion, Arsenal would lose almost every single one of them. Yeah, I was actually listening to an Arsenal review of the game and obviously they've got an Arsenal hat on when they're talking about it and they said that they probably did get a little bit lucky, which means they got really lucky. <laughs> um, but it's also worth... They also did say that, you know, you you create your own luck and Arsenal, yeah. Arsenal did that and yeah. it was something that... We, we've criticised Arsenal for years for not getting results, for not grinding out results. So I feel like it's unfair a little bit. Don't mean to shut you down here, Woody, but it is a little bit unfair to sit here and say, oh, they got lucky. Oh. It's, I, I just felt like, you know what? 3-2 win over Everton who were in hot form. You take it, pack your bags, and head off to their next game. Like that, I, I reckon you're happy with that. 
oh, well, from an Arsenal perspective, completely, but then from an evidence perspective, well, the game was there for the taking. For, it was. You know, the last 25 minutes, all it did was, all it was was an Everton attack show. Mm. Um, and for me, I, the game was there for the taking. Well, with that, I think Leno had his own renaissance <laughs> in about 90 minutes. Yeah, yeah, he he was. I think he he was almost man of the match. If it in wasn't if half, it wasn't a Baumiang, it was definitely it was definitely Leno. I think it was in the second half. You'd have to almost say it was Leno, just because. I mean, for mine, he should have done better with the Richarlison goal just before half time. Yeah, but not many goalkeepers, well, not many players, but specifically goalkeepers can come back from that sort of incident and play so well when. If he didn't play that well, Arsenal would have got, wouldn't have got the three points. Yeah, I mate, I could not agree with you more. And the way Arsenal played was really interesting because they came out with some serious intent as well. And it's something that we haven't seen. We see a lot of Arsenal teams sort of come, come to the game and then they sort of meander around the pitch. However, now, and I think with Leno in tow and leading from the back as well, they sort of had two bookends in Balmain and Leno to lead the way. And they played with so much heart and so much intent. And I think it really, really showed throughout the game. Of course, you know, they, it was two all heading into the break. Um, however, like there are a few absolute performers and one was unlikely because so, is it said? Said Klasenach. I never, I can never get his first name right. <laughs> anyway, he had a, he had a bit of an unfortunate um, uh, run in with, I think it was a Wobi. Um, oh, no, and, it was um, Sidibe. Sidibe, that's and, right. And it looked like a head injury, and that's why the referee stopped the game. And it was, but turns it was, out it was actually a shoulder injury. And Everton could have been away down the right wing, but I, a right decision by the referee. You have to do it. But I just thought that was really interesting. Go on, Woody. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut yeah, you off. Actually, yeah, I, no, I do. And now, thinking back on it, you're right. The ref did stop it because it was a head injury. And because I think it was because the way he landed. Oh, it looked bad. Looked it was bad. almost head first landing. Yeah. It was a bit of a face plant, really. Yeah. Um, and it ended it, up being a collarbone, something like that. Collarbone, shoulder, I think it must have been something like that. Anyway, walked off, pretty grim injury, unfortunately. And I think mm-hmm. that'll play a lot into Arsenal's Europa League ties as well, having the lack of depth at left back. They obviously, could, they're still in the FA Cup as well. They've got a lot of games to play at the end of the season. They have a lot of games to play, especially with Saka maybe being the only... Not He's not even out out left back either, but him him being a, you know the only option back there, mm-hmm. probably... Probably not the best for Arsenal's, uh, you know, defense coming up in the next few games, but we'll see how they go, nevertheless. But Bukayo Saka, yeah, unlikely hero, came on in the 18th minute, went on to play an amazing attacking game. His assist, Dan, I don't know if you saw it for Eddie Nikita's goal. I did see it. Oh, absolute curler of a cross, peach, peach delivery, unbelievable, fi- underrated finish as well. Yes, a lot and of players I gonna, just. I was going to mention this when we mentioned the goals at the start uh-huh. for such a youngster to get up in the air and side foot volley. Yeah. Past the, the far keeper post. to the far post. It was quality. I, I, Great finish. Yeah, a lot of strikers just try to hit it as hard as they can and beat the keeper for pace. But I thought it was quality finish and good composure. Great. Hey, there you go. There you go. All right. Um, Woody, I do just want you... Saka was great and he yeah. has been great going forward this he season. But defensively, I still have doubts. It's a little bit of a similar situation to Trent Alexander-Arnold. Maybe not mm-hmm. so much now, but... You know, he has had his defensive vulnerabilities in the past. And I feel I felt like Saka had that as well. And he's not even a left-back by trade, so it's a bit harsh to be going into this. Yeah. But, you know, he, he did only win one of his eight fifty fifty battles. Yeah. And, I mean, he did lose every aerial duel, but he's not going to win too many at his size. Yeah, he's, a, he's, a tall, he's a small bloke. Mm. He's a very small bloke. And I, so, yeah, I think Sadibe and Iwobi had their way with him a little bit at times. Yeah. And that probably explains the scoreline, to be honest. Uh but here's a question. Given mm-hmm. Chilwell's drop in form, 
mm-hmm. and Luke Shaw's long-term absence from international football at a major tournament. Is Saka a genuine chance to find himself on the plane to the Euros? So when you initially mentioned this to me during the week, I was like, hell no, hell no. And then I did a bit of thinking and I was like, when you think about it, Saka plays in a back four that's extremely vulnerable and has so many lapses in concentration that often it is easy. His his defensive, I guess, um, his mistakes are almost highlighted in a way. And mm-hmm. that's, again, that's across the Arsenal back four. And he's put in more vulnerable positions because of it, you'd have to say, yeah. Completely. And then I think of the way Gareth Southgate plays. He plays with three extremely strong centre-backs in Maguire, Mings, and... I don't John know. John Stones at times. John Stones. I Kyle Walker is a centre-back yep. sometimes. Ben Mee's probably going to be back there as well. But then if you look at those players, like they're all... England have deep defensive stocks. You know what I mean? In terms of centre-back-wise, hence why they play the three. Three. Of course, Joe Gomez as well. God, we're never going to hear yeah, the end oh. of it from Liverpool fans if we forget him. Yeah, God. Lucky you chucked that one in. I almost <laughs> forgot him there. Um, however, now, if you look at the way they set up, I think it almost lends itself to Saka playing more as a wing-back. Because, however... They have so much defensive prowess. He won't need to defend nearly as much. And when mm. he's defending, he's defending in a five. Put him next to, say, a Jordan Henderson. Exactly. At, on to his right. That would be that'd be something I'd really want to see. Yeah, and, and funny you say that, actually, because Henderson's a really unselfish player, but then so is Saka. Do you know 40% of the balls he had on the weekend went, went um, diagonally right? So he was attacking so much. He was attacking so much for the game that he drifts in and with a back three, I think it almost lends itself to, for him to drift in and be a playmaker from defense yeah. like an Alexander-Arnold. And if you look at, if, they, if if England had Alexander-Arnold and Saka It'd be an attacking both drifting game. in, attacking game like no other, yeah. they would have some serious class on the deliveries, especially if Saka can do what we, we saw him do on the weekend. I'd love to see it in the group stage when they play some weaker teams. Of course, as they you know maybe get to like quarterfinal or semifinal coming up against say a France you probably can't afford to play that attacking but yeah it'd be unbelievable like, if they um, were to do it imagine if England had the team now that they had the team now playing for when they were playing in the World Cup last year yeah you, you feel like they would have gone one further at least might not have won the thing but I reckon but they, they would have got, the they would, they would got one further yeah for sure for sure in maybe what was one of the most overrated runs in history. We shouldn't right, say we that. We get, we get a lot of English listeners. I'm sorry. We're just salty because Australia is not there. <laughs> yeah, yeah we've got, we got to bring bring people down with us because we're awful. So. <laughs> but I guess another main man for Arsenal, we can't we can't talk about Arsenal without talking about him, is Aubameyang. Um, you know, five ball recoveries, uh, you know, uh, three tackles, one out of three, two fouls, one, two shots, two goals. The man is unstoppable. And like I said before, he's an absolute bookend for Arsenal. They cannot afford to let him go. Yeah, well, Arteta's, I think, not said it, but there are rumors coming rumors. out that... Murmurs. Yeah, that Arteta's confident in keeping him uh, as from a personal perspective in that like it's almost like Arteta's role at the after the season comes to an it's end. just to keep Aubameyang. Keep Aubameyang, yeah, on a personal level and keep him at the club. And he's, he's 30 years old now. And so mm. you feel like Arsenal in a bit of a tricky situation in where if he, for example, I, I don't know the ins and outs, but if if it was too much, if it was costing the club too much to keep him, you could understand why they moved him on for to maybe a bigger club for you know the one or two years left that he has genuine, genuine, you know, good output. 
Yeah. I mean, we're looking at Jamie Vardy. He's getting on now. And like, I know he's had a great season, but it come the new, he hasn't scored in 2020 yet, I don't think. No. And so when pace is a strong factor in your ability to play football, like Aubameyang is yeah, or has, yeah. I just think that Arsenal need to be careful about this one and try to keep him for as long as possible, but don't do it to the... To, you know, to the extent where it debilitates your front line. Yeah, or, or your football club in general in terms yeah, on, yeah. on the books. Yeah, I think the one thing going for Aubameyang is that he sort of doesn't play, um, I guess, extremely body to body. So his, his body is probably held up better than what most would have had. You look at Vardy, he's very on the ball, on the shoulder, and he would have copped a lot of hits in his time, whereas mm-hmm. Aubameyang, not so much. Yeah, and you, also a lot less counter-attacking play from Arsenal in his time as exactly. well. Not as much of it anyway. A so lot it doesn't require the physicality. Yeah. All right. Um, do we want to just touch on Everton a little bit? Because it's it's harsh on Everton that they lost this game and they had quite a few chances, especially in the last 20 minutes, Woody, as you, as you said. And the two goal scorers have been Prolific. outstanding f- all, well, pretty much since Ancelotti's arrived. But even before then, Richarlison was at times the one keeping... Keeping Everton out of the relegation zone, but he's kicked on. Yeah, and speaking of which, you know, since since uh, Ancelotti's come on, Covert Lewin has scored seven goals. So it says something about the Renaissance that Ancelotti's bringing. Can Maybe- I say I love his celebration with like Yuri Mina when they're like, yeah. I don't even know what they're doing. It just looks awesome. <laughs> <laughs> two, two characters of the Everton footy, yeah. that's for sure. Um, two that they definitely want to keep there. As well, I mean, looking at looking at these two blokes, like they've come into their own skin, and I didn't realize Richarlison was only twenty two until a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> and maybe that probably lends itself to why Barca put in a seventy five million dollar bid for him. That was Richarlison that they put the bid in for. Not, I, I not just Calvert. said that. Oh, I thought I said Richarlison was twenty two. I thought you said Calvert Lewin. My bad, because oh, I think mate. he's just the same age, isn't he? Yes, yeah, similar same. similar sort of age as well. My apologies. Yeah, um, and then looking at these two guys, you know, there are nine players in Europe's top five leagues aged twenty two or younger. That has scored ten plus goals this season. Everton are the only club that has two of them wow. in re- in recover Lewin and Richarlison. So if they can keep these guys fit and healthy and you know together, then who knows what next season they could play? Yeah. Especially with Ancelotti at the helm and with a few transfers in to to, to I guess supply the ball a little bit more often. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest about Everton's team. It does have a lot of players that have failed at maybe that next. Big club. You, know, yeah. you look at Uwobi, Walcott, Schneiderlin, Schneiderlin, uh, even um, Sigurdsson. You could say yeah. you could have him in the mix. All those sort of players. So you just think maybe if they could attract one, one big guy to give the create. I think their defense is actually somewhat okay. Oh, I mean, it's harsh to say after they've conceded three goals, but I think there's this work for improvement with what they've got rather than bringing oh, someone in. Completely. Um, they, look, they might shore up the defense if they if they feel like it's necessary, but I feel like Everton shouldn't you know get too carried away with this loss and just keep going you know as they are. They've got a big game hosting Man United next weekend, which I'm going to get stuck into in the new segment that's coming. And Woody, can we get stuck into that new segment now? Please. Did uh, you, uh, oh, did you want to talk about anything else? Or no, because you you've chatted it up a fair bit, and I'm really keen to see what it is, because I don't even know what it is yet. It is time for Damo's Dollars. Oh. Show me the money. Yeah, that's right. You heard it. Damo's Dollars. Now, <laughs> I have... I was going, it's taken me 34 episodes to think of my own... Segment. I mean, let's be honest, Woody, there's been one or two that I've tried and they've just been crap, okay? They have been 
They've been ordinary. Was it Damon's Dilemma? Yeah, that was shit. <laughs> that was shit. So now, I was thinking, what can we do? You know, what's something that the pod's lacking? It doesn't lack a lot, but I was like, you know what? Why don't we talk about games that are coming up a little bit more? And, uh, but, you know, we've only got a certain amount of time. Yeah, and yeah. we want get to into, get into some good uh, reviews. So I was like, let's do Damo's Dollars. Where we can just talk about Damo's bets for the week. <laughs> now, mate, you're an addict, aren't you? Yeah, people who know me, I, I, I wouldn't say like I'm just a genuine, you know, real ordinary sports better or any other sort of guy. You know, no disrespect to anyone out there who enjoys a punt. I enjoy punt just as much as the next guy, but I just feel like, yeah, I do have a little bit of a stereotype that perhaps, you know, if I've got five or ten bucks in my wallet. It, it, it's it's a betting voucher in my <laughs> eyes. Do you know what I mean? It just screams, sick me into your Paddy Power account, <laughs> your sports bet account. Yeah, exactly. And again, if there's any um, you know, sports betting companies out there that are looking to get, looking to get some exposure, <laughs> the odds I'm using at the moment are by an anonymous uh, betting company. But if you got... Named Bought Pet. <laughs> <laughs> but if, if there is a company out there that want to just tell us how they always have the best odds... Feel free to hit us up because uh, my segment needs a sponsor. I'm calling it now. It's not going anywhere. It's stay. It's here to stay. Yeah, okay. Damo's so dollars. Damo's dollars. Let's do it. My multi of the week. All right. First up, Chelsea to beat Bournemouth. Now, you might sit here and go, Damo, no one even needs to listen to this podcast to know that Chelsea beating Bournemouth is a fair chance to happen. All right. Yes, I get that. And don't get me wrong. Damo's dollars is not always going to be about, you know, Everton... Uh, Everton hammering Norwich, although they actually lost to them this season, or (laughs) Liverpool smashing Watford on the weekend. It is going to be in-depth finding the value for the people. Now, here this: Chelsea (laughs) to beat Bournemouth, $1.67. That's outrageous value. If you look here, given the Cherries run, two wins from their last 10, Chelsea's away record, they've only lost at Liverpool, Man City, Man United, and Everton, and Everton's and the loss to Everton was when they really hit form under Duncan's, Duncan Ferguson. So you just can't ignore this. $1.67, outrageous value. Can't even get chippies for that price, mate. Exactly. And I mean, you look at... I know Bournemouth beat Chelsea 1-0 at Stamford Bridge. But at the same time, I actually think that's going to benefit Chelsea in their wanting revenge rather than giving Bournemouth confidence. Bournemouth yeah. have no confidence. It's got hammered 3-0 yeah. by Burnley. They've got none. They're on the floor. Now this one, I actually... The next one in the multi... I have no reason for the statistical evidence why this is going to happen, but put your house on it, okay? <laughs> West Ham to beat Southampton at $2.63. I, as I said, no statistical evidence to, to give this pr- prediction, but look at West Ham's run, which you're talking about every episode for the last month. They play, they've played, they play Southampton this weekend. Yeah. They're going to have no better chance to get a win in like the next month than this game. They're going to put all their eggs in this basket. I like it. Why wouldn't they not give it their all? Southampton are in the clear. They've got realistically not much to play for. The Hammers are going to get the job done at home. You heard it here first. Next up, an Everton win against Man United at $2.40. Man United have just won twice in their last seven visits to Goodison Park. And last time they were at Goodison Park, got hammered 4-0. Stiff. And, of course, Everton have only lost two of their last ten games. They're in flying form. They've, I think the only two losses have come against Man City and, of course, Arsenal on the weekend. Everton at home are quite good under Ancelotti. I think 
they're going to get the job done over Man United and a Man United team who've really, I can't remember the last time they won three games in a row, three Premier League games in a row, I should say. So yeah, Everton at $2.40, I like it. Next up, and the final one, draw between Spurs and Wolves. Now, last time these two played, the Spurs found a late winner through Vertonghen. He's been out of form since pretty much since that game, all their defense has. But if you look at who played in that game, Kane, Son, they're not there this time. Even though it was at the Molyneux, back at, back at the Tottenham Stadium, I, I reckon the Wolves get a draw here. Now, I don't have them winning purely because of Spurs' record at home. They've only lost twice at home all season, which means it's hard to give Wolves a win. But I just can't see Spurs winning either. So $3.25 for the draw, I like it. I really like so, it. So I can run us through run us through the bets that you just, just plucked at us? It is Chelsea to win. Chelsea to beat Bournemouth at $1.67. Uh-huh. West Ham to beat Southampton at $2.63. Uh-huh. Everton to beat Man United at $2.40. Uh-huh. And a draw between Spurs and Wolves at $3.25. And the total price of that multi is $34.25. So, for example, if you put 10 bucks on it, you get $342 return. I... I reckon it's a goer. So you, so you reckon flick a tenner? Yeah, I mean, gamble responsibly, of course. But we're gonna keep, plus. I'm going to keep a running track of uh, how my multis go and see if we can get up. Are you sticking this on? Uh, <laughs> maybe. Get out of here. Mate, I'm not taking credibility from you if you're not even putting money on your own bets. <laughs> All right. All right. Ask me Saturday. And, and don't, you dare, don't you dare put the income of the, pre- of the nightclub yeah, on, no. on the bet. <laughs> If you, right. if you take the money that we've earned from this and stick it on this bet, I will kill you myself. <laughs> all right, all right. I don't care if you bloody win. If I do place the multi, I will chuck it up on the Insta story and people can ride, ride the emotions with me. Yeah. All right? And hopefully everyone get on board. By the time this peaks, we have thousands of people having the same multi on. I think a bit of a disclaimer, we hold no responsibility for any lost bets. Yeah. I'll, don't come running to us. We, all, we live all the way down here in Australia. Half our listeners don't, aren't from Australia. It's all good. You reckon? Actually, no, nah, most of them are, aren't they? Most of our listeners are from What are you Australia. chatting, mate? Shut up. I don't know. Sorry, I'm just, I'm just stressing now because you've got me thinking about ruining only, people's lives. I reckon the only thing more impressive than how well you just goob that up, as in as in y- your chat just then, yeah. was how enthusiastic you were for your first your first segment. I was pumped. You're pumped, mate. Did I, did I do okay in all seriousness? You did okay. 34 eps in and you, you only just got it. You're like a kid that's been denied a lolly for 18 years. <laughs> to be fair, we haven't had Sam the Simpleton for about 20 episodes. Maybe He hasn't 25. been here for 18 of them. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is true. All right, well, how about this? We're due for a Woody's Whip. So if anything, keep an eye out this week, Woody, for a Woody's mm-hmm. Whip. And that pretty much wraps up the episode for this week. As I said, next week we got, might have something a little bit saucy. Something brewing. For specifically the Newcastle fans. So if you're a Newcastle fan, keep an ear out or keep an eye out. Um... What or you th- check your Twitter if yeah. you're a Newcastle fan to see if there are any hints. Yes. Twitter's a big hint. Yeah. Big hint. But if people have an Instagram, where can they find you us? You can find us on Premier League Nightclub, at Premier League Nightclub on the Insta. And Damo, what about the Twitter? At PL Nightclub. Or you can search us on Facebook. Just search Premier League Nightclub. We will be there. And yeah, it's pretty much pretty much it, isn't it, Woody? I reckon. Let's stick a bow on it, mate. Let's stick a bow on it. And uh, would you like to thank everybody? Thank you very much. And thanks for booking this week. At the nightclub. See ya. See you guys.